happening, everyone? Along with Will Brewer, I am Colby Daniels. UFC 291 on Saturday night. Will, I don't know if you sense an extra energy in my vibe today, but it is Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje on Saturday night. I am beyond geeked. My two favorite fighters in all of MMA going head-to-head. I might argue, even outside of being my two favorite fighters, the two most entertaining fighters in all of MMA head-to-head on Saturday night with the BMF on the line. I cannot wait. Yeah, I obviously, I think we all can hear the uh, the extra oomph, the extra excitement uh, in your voice. I mean, for this not even to be a title fight, and sure, the BMF title is on the line, but this is j- just like one of the most anticipated fights that you can make in the entire organization. Dustin Poirier, Justin Gaethje, too. I know it's a rematch, and we know what happened in the first fight, but Justin Gaethje's a completely different fighter. Dustin Poirier has made improvements. Like, just the... Just what this fight could be. This fight was already fight of the year, and now what this fight could be potentially in 2023 on Saturday. I mean, it's nothing short of uh, it's going to be nothing short of amazing. Well, both guys have improved so much, right? That fight was five years ago. Both guys have had eight fights since then. By the way, how about the fact both guys are six and two since that first fight? They both lost to Khabib. They both lost to Oliveira. In the process, they both have wins over Chandler, but both guys 6-2 and two since that last meeting. I was looking up fight of the night records earlier today because I started thinking, like, how many times has Justin Gaethje or Dustin Poirier been in an absolute blockbuster? Dustin Poirier is tied all-time for, the, for being a part of the most fight of the nights with eight, and Justin Gaethje is one behind with seven. 15 yeah. fight of the night bonuses for these two guys combined in the UFC. Yeah, Gaethje is, uh, ever since his first fight on the scene, he's been that guy that, you know, you can always depend on him to put on a show. All of his fights are always wars. And it's crazy because, like, now he's kind of toned it back and he's gotten more technical and everything. But still, he's still been able to be a, a really violent, violent fighter. Uh, just look at his last fight with Vizieev. I mean, uh, uh, Justin Gaethje five years ago would have probably got possibly gotten knocked out because it just would have been a slugfest. But the way he just like the technique and how he decisively beat him down over three rounds was just amazing to see. And it's kind of what Poirier does. Poirier is a slow starter. But once he gets going and you see it in the Chandler fight, Chandler had a good first round. But once Poirier kind of got his timing down and started landing shots, it was basically Poirier from there. So, I mean, I'm very excited for this fight. It's. It's it's I don't even have the words for it. I mean, I, I fight of the year. I know Pantoja and Moreno was fight of the year, but this one, I have all expectations that this is going to be fight of the year. I mean, if it's anything close to what the first fight was, uh, then then it absolutely is. Um, I you know I, I think in terms of like what these guys expect from the other, I know in an interview with Daniel Cormier. This week, um, they both recognized that that last fight was so long ago and that both guys have evolved so much uh, that, you know, trying to take anything from that last fight is is ridiculous. But they also acknowledge like both guys feel like the other guy is better. And I think both guys acknowledge like this is going to be a brawl, right? They know what they're in store for. And I don't imagine this being a fight where uh, you see them hesitant to pull the trigger or you see one try and like outsmart the other by... Uh, trying to get a bunch of takedowns. Not saying there won't be elements of that, but these guys know what this is. They know what the stage is. And this is going to be, I I think, one of the best fights of the year, if not of the last few years. I mean, how many times have we said after a Poirier fight or after a Gaethje fight, I mean, that's one of the best fights we've seen in recent history. Yeah, I mean, especially when when they have a dance partner who will uh, engage in in that realm, in the striking realm. Uh, Poirier is a guy who's got skills all over. Like he's very well rounded. Uh, Gaethje is a is literally a wrestler, uh, a very good college. He was a very good college wrestler, but he never uses it yeah. because he's so focused on the striking. But um, just what they what what those two guys can bring uh, throughout five rounds, I kind of expect a, a filling out process of sorts in the first round. I agree. I feel like um, they won't. Be, they won't engage as much as people will expect. I think the crowd's going to be very energetic and ready to see the fight. And I think we, we would have seen um, very, very good fights throughout 291. But I think the crowd will be very uh, anxious when those two start fighting. But I think it's going to be very kind of 
feel each other out, see what the other one's going to do, see who's going to when the Gaethje leg kick's going to come, because I know Poirier's going to be training a lot for that. And uh, Poirier, um, that big left uh, that Poirier rocked Gaethje with, um, I'm sure that Gaethje trained a lot on defending that and uh, kind of you know being more defensively sound and uh, in close areas. So uh, just what this fight could be, uh, I think by the second round, those two will probably get after it. I think uh, the pleasantries will be done after probably midway through the first round, but by the second round, those two guys will definitely have a fight of the year type fight from there. I, I would agree with that. I think since that first fight, like you said, I think Gaethje is much more technical. Um, he doesn't seem to be as consistently wild, if you will. Although, you know, he admitted like the Oliveira fight, he's like, that was a stupid fight. He's like, I, I, I wasn't uh, calculated and it, it cost me. And, you know, the Fazeev fight, I went back to, to reeling it in and being much more calculated you know, the one thing that does stand out to me about Dustin Poirier from that fight to where we are now, he checks a lot more kicks now than he used to, right? Like, I think that Gaethje fight was a big learning experience for Poirier and the leg kicks, because think about, like, he hurt Connor with a, with a check. Uh, think about the Chandler fight. Chandler was starting to, out of the gate, going after his legs. And Poirier checks one of those kicks against Chandler, and Chandler's foot starts to swell up. And I don't think he threw another leg kick the entire fight. Um you know, obviously these guys are so much different, but I think the fight itself is going to be very similar to the first one at stages where it just becomes like, which guy's going to dig deeper. And uh, both of these guys we know are game for a war. And both these guys have been through so many and we've seen them both have to dig deep. Um, I can't decide if I feel like one of these guys is going to get a finish or if it's going to go the distance, but my gosh, if this thing goes 25 minutes, I can't imagine the condition these two guys will be in. Yeah, you know, I, these are two guys who are looking for finishes. These are not two guys who want to go to a decision. I think over time, especially as we get into the third and fourth rounds, I think that's where the fight's going to be decided. And it, it might be decided in the fifth. Who knows? But I think um, I, I'm not I'm kind of with you on not being sure on like if this fight is going to be finished. I think it de kind of depends on how aggressive Gaethje is. Uh, I think over time. Uh, we know Poirier kind of turns it up and he'll be looking he's looking for finishes, but he's not going to overexert himself if he doesn't have to. Uh, Gaethje is known to to do that at points. Um, so I think if but I will say and that's what cost him in the last fight was being over aggressive yeah. and then getting countered, you know, and with Gaethje, how he used to strike back then he used to put his everything into every strike so by the fourth round he's exhausted and I think he's done a very good job of managing his energy being more defensively sound and picking and choosing when to throw power shots so um yeah I can't tell who if, if there's going to be a finish but I think it'll be it'll be decided in the third and fourth round whether it'll be a, a decision or whether this fight will be finished I re-watched the first fight uh over the weekend and then again this morning Two things stood out to me, or, or I, I guess one big thing stood out to me. The broadcast crew made it such a talking point about the leg kicks that that was really all they talked about, Will, for three whole rounds. Like, the leg kicks, and that was that was it. I mean, that was the emphasis. Leg kicks, leg kicks, leg kicks. Never mind, during all those leg kicks, Poirier landed so many massive headshots. Like, who's to say that the reason he didn't get the finish in the fourth was because of how many Gaethje ate in those first three, right? I think people somewhat lose sight of of how many big shots Poirier landed uh, in those early rounds because there was such an emphasis on the leg kicks. And obviously, we saw them having an impact on Dustin's legs, and and you know, visibly at times, you you were seeing how how he was responding to those leg kicks. But there was just such a spotlight on that that you know, I I, I don't think that the the headshots that Poirier landed for three rounds, got enough credit, and ultimately, you know, in the fourth, right as the fourth starts, essentially, he gets the finish. I, I, Justin Gaethje took a lot of damage in that fight. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think what it is, um, Gaethje is putting his everything into those shots, like I said earlier. Like, yeah. those, le those leg kicks, he's, uh, I mean, he's generating so much power. And over time, like, you notice... Like Poirier starting to move a little different, you know he's, uh, you know those those shots are starting to add up, but you're not. And you kind of look at the punches, while while they are having an effect, you're not really giving them as much emphasis as you are the leg kicks because the leg kicks are 
are obviously doing a lot of damage. But it, I, I guess the leg kicks from Gaethje were more looked looked more significant than the shots that Poirier were landed. I'm not saying that, that, that they were more significant, but it, it looked that way. Just because, you know, that's how reaction, Gaethje would throw right? it. Yeah, that's how Gaethje would throw his shots with so much power. And, and Poirier is not going to put so much power into his shots early on. But when it came time to put, put this guy away, that's what exactly what he did. And the, that counter that he, that he uh, hit Gaethje with, you see Gaethje's legs go out and he's stumbling all over the place. Like it was uh, a masterful finish from Poirier. But you, you have to acknowledge that Poirier didn't have a lot of leg kicks left to take <laughs> in him. Like it was that, that's four, almost four complete rounds of power, power leg kicks from the most de- devastating leg kicker probably of all time outside of Jose Aldo. So um, that was just an incredible fight. And fight of the year, very, very much warranted. Yeah, absolutely. Co-main event, Alex Pineda and Jan Blahovic. I thought that uh, a title fight made a lot of sense, but I see like why they wouldn't because, you know, this is kind of a quick build to a title fight. And who knows if you're going to have Connor and Michael Chandler at the end of the year as the as the cards at the end of the year are starting to take shape. I think um, it's probably better for them to hold off on the light heavyweight title fight because I think while uh, Blahovich and Pajeda is a big fight, imagine how much bigger it's going to be with one of these guys beating the other and then building that to a Yuri Prohaska fight. That's right. I, I, I'm so excited for either one of those guys to fight Prohaska. What do you think of the matchup and what type of fight we're going to see? Man, uh, you know, I think a lot of people are taking the the Blahovich and Israel Adesanya fight and they kind of think that like, that's how this fight's going to go, uh, Blahovich with his uh, wrestling base. But I'm kind of under the impression that um, I don't think Blahovich should stand with Pajeda for as long as he stood with Adesanya. I don't think that's a like, he, – he's shaking his head. That's a big no-no. <laughs> I think he should be – I think this should be a very wrestling-heavy attack because we haven't seen Pajeda wrestle much. We saw Israel Asanya wrestle him and uh, uh, Pajeda get very tired, very winded. But I think uh, on the feet, the the advantage is clearly with uh, Alex Pajeda. And I know Blahovich has knockout power, but I think uh, uh, Pajeda has the skill level of Adesanya on the feet, but he has the power of a heavyweight. Uh, on the feet, and that that's that's something that Israel Adesanya doesn't have, um, and m- maybe he does, but he doesn't always throw it out there. Um, Pajeda's trying to take your head off. Um, Izzy's more of a you know te- he's more of a technique guy, so um, I think that Pajeda is, should be uh, on the feet, leg kicking, uh, trying to find that sh- uh, that power left, and uh, Blahovich should be definitely looking to wrestle as much as he can. This fight card is absolutely loaded. It is spectacular from start to finish. Big names all the way up and down this fight card. So when we started this show about a month ago, you said you were in a dilemma. You didn't know how you were going to be able to watch it because you were taking a little trip. Have you figured out your situation for Saturday, July 29th and how you're going to be able to view this fight card? Yeah, I'm definitely going to be viewing it. Uh, we made uh, there, we we made arrangements for okay. it that way to you know we have that you know we've made sure that well I've made sure that by seven o'clock p.m. Central Time I'm going to be in front of a TV and most likely it's going to be at you know a sports bar or you know something but I'm going to be in front of a TV watching um, uh, this this fight card because from top to bottom it's loaded and I and I have to be in front of a TV I can't miss it and I also have to find a way to get um, Crawford and Spence on on the TV as well so yeah we made arrangements very nice very <laughs> nice before we make some predictions on Saturday night and talk about UFC London which perhaps gave us a new heavyweight contender Will it is time to potentially stump you you are undefeated I've not done it yet but are you ready for this week's trivia question. Mr. UFC Encyclopedia. (laughs) Yep, stay ready, man. Okay, here we go. Your random UFC fight card in which you've got to let me know main event, co-main event. UFC 156. I know this one. This is what always happens. I have the pay-per-views that's around it, and then I stumble on... (laughs) 
that one. So like I have an idea of what it could be, but I don't want to answer and be just like way off. Um, UFC 156 main event. I don't think I can. I may not be able to give the co-main. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. 156 main event was Jose Aldo, and he fought. It was either. I'm I'm tripping on which one came first. It like Jose Aldo versus Frank Yeager. Oh, get out of here! What? Aldo Frankie Edgar for the featherweight championship of the world. Aldo wins by unanimous decision. Now, Unbelievable. I don't know if this was the co-main event, but I but one fight that I remember pretty uh pretty clearly from this card, and I think this is pretty clearly from this card, but Bigfoot Silva and Alistair Overham. Was that the co-main? That was not the co-main, but that was uh right before the co-main. The co-main was Nagira and Rashad Evans. Oh, yeah, see, I wouldn't have got that co-main. Yeah. You pulled another one out, and still, undefeated, your champion, Will Brewer. So it doesn't happen this week. We'll try again next week. Will Brewer continues to wow us all. All right, UFC London, Will. Uh, Our main event was the return of Tom Aspinall, one of the biggest heavyweight prospects we've had in a long, long time. You know, that, that first or that last fight with Curtis Blades, we were all really excited to finally see him uh, fight an elite level heavyweight. And we didn't get very long before he, he's injured and out for a significant amount of time. I know Tabura obviously isn't Curtis Blades and certainly isn't that name that would completely put him over the top. He's been out, so you, you, you expected that there was at least going to be maybe a warm-up fight before an elite fight. Uh, he passed this test with flying colors. What's next for Tom Aspinall? Yeah, I think this is this is a fight that um, you don't want to call it a comeback fight because Tybor has been uh, very, very good as of late. I think he uh, broke into the top 10, and um, it was just like it wasn't too much too early uh, coming off of that knee injury, but it was like a proper, a proper step, like a proper matchup to come back to. And... Um, yeah, he passed with flying colors. He he made it look easy. Uh, I mean, getting him getting him out of there in the first round, like you could see pretty clearly, like the the speed difference. And uh, Tybora was in great shape, but uh, I don't. You can't make up that speed difference, you know, just by being in in great shape and and all that. So um, he landed that elbow and then dropped him and then closed the show. It was a uh, it was a tremendous performance. Uh, but in terms of what's next. Um, he called out Gone and uh, the Gone and Speedbox winner. To be honest, man, I think with how this heavyweight division is laid out, um, especially with how we don't know like what's going to end up happening with Jones and Miocic after MSG, the number one contender uh, is Sergey Pavlovich. If I were Tom Aspinall, that would have been my call out. I would have called out uh, Sergey or uh, yeah Sergey Pavlovich, and I would have said like. Uh, we know that these two old uh, heavyweights probably aren't going to be fighting much longer after MSG or they're both probably going to retire. Uh, me and you are going to fight in a title eliminator or we're going to be fighting for the vacant title. Um, I, I do like the the possibility of a Tom Aspinall Cyril Gaon match, uh, especially if Cyril Gaon's worked on his wrestling. But I don't really have any um, desire to see Tom Aspinall and Sergey Spivak again. So for me, it's either Cyril Gaon if he wins or Sergey Pavlovich. For the record, I think we, we, we've both said this many times. I don't think there's any chance, no matter who he fights next, that he ever fights John Jones. I think John beats Stipe, and that's it. And in the rare occurrence that maybe there's a Francis fight down the road in the UFC or something like that, uh, then maybe we see John Jones again. But I, I 100% believe Stipe will be John Jones' last heavyweight title defense and... You know, maybe Tom Aspinall is fighting for the belt. I just don't think it's it's against John Jones. To me, the clear answer here is is Pavlovich, right? I mean, I, unless you are looking at either one of the the legends, if if you think both of them will will like win and retire and vacate, then maybe you save Aspinall Pavlovich for the vacant title match. But if that's not going to be the case, and stay, say there's the chance that if Stipe wins. Uh, he he wants to stick around and defend it. Then I think I think Aspinall Pavlovich to me would be the right path, and the winner of that then gets the title shot. I love 
a Tom Aspinall surreal gone fight and what that would look like and how much fun that would be to watch. But in terms of like the heavyweight title picture, I don't think that that really does anything for me. All right, it is time to make picks for UFC 291 on Saturday night. This fight card is unbelievable. The main and co-main events on their own are worth the price of admission, but up and down this card, you've got big names, you've got great matchups. This should be a ton of fun. Five main card fights and two on the prelims that we are choosing from. Starting in the heavyweight division with the knockout king, Derek Lewis versus Marcos Rogerio de Lima. Derek Lewis is the plus 150 underdog, Will. Marcos Rogerio de Lima, minus 175 favorite. What do you got? Man, I, I just don't like the the trajectory of Derek Lewis, what he's been, how he's been. But, like, this is a good spot for him. Like, he's been in very big spots his last, like, however many fights it's been. He's been in interim heavyweight title fights. He's been in, in fighting in front of his hometown and in main events on fight nights. Like, Derek has been in a lot of high-pressure spots. I, I kind of don't feel like there's a lot of pressure on him in this one. And and I think that if I was, like, to bet this fight, um, I would put a lot of – not a lot of money, but i put money on Derek Lewis as a, as a plus-money underdog. Uh, but I kind of just um, – I I don't like you know what I, I don't I just don't know where his motivation is at this yeah. point you know I don't know like if he's uh, how how locked in he is especially after losing in his hometown to to God and then to to tie to Ivasa um, and then he had that quick loss against I think it was uh, Spivak um, so I think Delima is um, Delima is going to pressure him and Delima is going to be be able to um, have his way with him on the ground should it get there. But where I think Delima is going to uh, fail, where is like he's not going to respect his power. I think people are starting not to. They're starting to think like, okay, we can pressure Derek Lewis. Um, he's going to curl up into a ball. We'll be able to get him down, and we'll we'll be able to submit him, or you know, whatever that case is. I think Derek Lewis is going to knock him out, uh, and we're going to think that Delima is is on his way to a finish or something like that, and then Derek Lewis is going to counter him. And then we'll get another knockout from the knockout king. So my pick's gonna go with Derek Lewis, and that's just me just kind of thinking that um, there's not a lot of pressure on him in this one, and you know he's gonna let his hands go. I yeah, there's no pressure. I mean, he's not in a main event. He's not in his hometown. Well, he's not even on the main card, right? He's yeah. he's in a prelim fight on what is a blockbuster of a card, but in a prelim fight. You mentioned the recent uh, history. He's lost four of his last five. He lost to both of the Sergeys, right? He lost to Pavlovich and Spivak. That's right, that's right. Uh, and then Tai Tuivasa and Cyril gone. I, I think you nailed it with, like, trying to figure out what his motivation is because, you know, he's made a lot of money. You can see in interviews and things, he's he's a happy guy, right? He's got a good life. He's earned a good living for his family. And clearly, he's not, like, on a title chase at this point. So, like... How motivated is he? This is one of those where if he loses, like I would seriously question whether we ever see Derek Lewis fight again in the UFC. Not not because the UFC is pushing him out the door, but he may just decide, like, I just, I don't have the burning desire to continue to do this. Um, I think the fact that he is is fighting to me says that, you know, there's at least something there uh, that is is motivating him enough to to make this trip to Utah and and step inside the cage. I'm like you. I think given like the way that Taitu Ivasa went forward and was able to land the big shot and get the finish, and obviously Pavlovich and Spivak both being aggressive with him, I think maybe uh, Ruggiero, um isn't as, as careful as some other guys have been in the past, and maybe he gets caught. Regardless of what Derek Lewis' motivation is, that power is still there, period. So, you know, I think, uh, I think he's, he's always one big shot away from winning any fight. I would be incredibly disappointed to see Derek Lewis go out this way if uh, if it were to go the other way. But I, I'm with you. Give me Derek Lewis to land a big shot somewhere along the way and Derek Lewis to ultimately get the win. All right, our next fight is the feature prelim in the welterweight division. It is big-time prospect Gabriel Bonfim following an incredible UFC debut as your favorite at minus 315, plus 260 for Trevin Giles. 
Yeah, you know, I think that uh, Trevin Giles, um, he's solid. Uh, he's still trying to – he was out 185, and uh, he ended up getting caught a few times. I remember Duplessis getting him, uh, and, you know, he dropped down to 170. I think he's still trying to find his footing uh, in that in that weight class. Um, but I, I think that um, Trevin Giles is a pretty solid prospect. Uh, but I think Bonfim is just at another level. Um I think, you know, Giles has won his last few, uh, his, his last couple fights against, I'm not going to say nobodies, but, you know, these are fights that he should win. I think uh, Bonfim is just, uh, you know, he's a he's a prospect that could end up being a special talent at some point. Uh, and I think this is just a, a step to that um, uh, to that level. So give me Gabriel Bonfim uh, by finish. I had forgot that Trevin Giles beat Roman Delizze in 2021 uh, that had completely slipped my mind before uh, looking at the resume this week, but he he's lost to Drickus Duplessis. He's lost to Michael Morales. He's bounced back with two wins against uh, Lewis Cosi and Preston Parsons. Um, you know, I think that this opponent in Bonfim is closer to the Michael Morales and Drickus Duplessis uh, track to stardom than Lewis Cosi and Preston Parsons. So uh, I'm I'm with you, and I think the other part of this that is really interesting to me, Bonfim is is this phenom, right? He's he's got a giant ceiling and a ton of hype. His brother also was viewed that way as a guy with a ton of hype and a giant ceiling. And after his like knockout of the year um, candidate debut against Terrence McKinney, he dropped one a couple weeks ago, and I I think that probably even sharpens Gabriel Bonfim even more for the second fight. And he doesn't, he's not feeling himself too much. He's not getting um, maybe too arrogant for a fight like this. So I think that that even doubles down my take on this. I, I like Gabriel Bonfim as well. And uh, I, I would even go as bold like you as to say Gabriel Bonfim by finish. I'm still shocked that, that Ishmael Bonfim lost that fight a couple weeks ago. You know, uh, St. Denis is a, I'm not going to say he's, he's a No, problem, he's great. But- yeah, that, but that guy was was very underrated. I, I I thought going into that 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 was going to be that you know the odds were pretty you know steep, and I was like I think this fight's going to be a little closer than what the odds say. But uh, Saint Denis came out with a great game plan, taking his arms out from him uh, uh, pretty early on. But uh, Saint Denis is uh, he could end up being a problem in this in this weight class. Sure. I think um, at one fifty five, you know, he's got a lot of potential. I'll say that. Sure. But and we saw it all on display when he fought Bonfim. But I just mean, like, we saw, like, uh, is it Chris Leroy Duncan? Um, yeah, yeah. Like, we saw him go into a fight a, a few weeks ago as a as a prospect with a lot of hype and, and kind of be, I mean, seem, I don't want to use the word arrogant, but maybe, like, overconfident, right? Maybe not respecting your opponent as much as you should when you're a prospect. And these are all UFC fighters, right? There's, there's not, like, quote-unquote, easy fights on this roster. And, you know, I think he was a little bit surprised as to, like, what was coming back his way. If there was any of that with Bonfim, I think the fact that his brother just lost, um, you know, maybe maybe dials him in, in even more. So uh, just yeah, throwing that yeah, out there for, for sure. that for that reason, I think he won't take this fight lightly. Mm-hmm. Not that he would have before, but I think there's even less of a chance of that. All right. Main card begins in the welterweight division. It is Michael Chiesa and Kevin Holland. Kevin Holland is your favorite at minus 150, plus 125 for the veteran Chiesa. Um, I think movement, Kevin Holland's movement is going to be a huge factor in this fight um, because Chiesa is going to be diving at those legs um, at all times. I think Chiesa isn't going to play around. He knows where his strengths are and he knows where he's going to win this fight. And that is getting uh, Kevin Holland on the ground. I think... um, I don't know this for sure. I know this didn't happen in the Wonder Boy fight, but I think in this in the two fights prior, I think it was Tim Means and uh, uh, Cowboy Oliveira. I think Kevin Holland got taken down in both those fights. And Michael Chiesa is a better wrestler. He's bigger than both of those guys. Um, so, you know... This is a real. This is really good matchmaking. First, yeah. let me say that. And this yeah. is Kevin Holland's first uh, crack at a uh, at a ranked uh, guy outside of outside of Wonder Boy. But like, this is where we'll see like Kevin Holland have to deal with really have to deal with the wrestling at one seventy. I think 
I kind of think that um, it just depends on how locked in Kevin Holland is. Because, you know, I kind of felt like he was he wasn't as locked in for that Ponzinibbio fight, but he still ended up getting the finish. Uh, Ponzinibbio seemed like he wanted it more, but Kevin Holland just landed the right strike. I kind of think he has to be like locked in, ready to go for 15 minutes. Uh, and he, he may not find that shot at first, but uh, he's got to be ready to land that kill shot at any point. I really want to see Kevin Holland win this one. I'm just not sure, man. Uh, damn, I'm not sure. I'm not sure on this one. It's tough. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, one, everything you're feeling right now is exactly how I feel about this fight, for the record. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, like Kevin Holland's length, his movement is a factor, and Kiesa just wrestling is such a, you know, that's such a dominant uh, skill in the in this game. And Kevin Holland's had trouble with it, but at a higher weight class. So, like, like I said, this is great, great yeah. matchmaking. But um, if I had to make a pick, man, and I'm not, I'm not really confident on on this pick. But um, I'm gonna go. I, I'm actually just go with uh, Kevin Holland, man. Uh, All right. Not confident in it, but uh, you know he's looked good at 170. You know maybe Kevin Holland will land something to uh, you know stop Kiesa's attack. So I, I could almost just like copy and paste everything you said as my take as well, because I feel the exact same way about this fight. I would I would add, though, like not only like if if Kiesa gets him down, I think that's the end of the round and Kiesa wins. Like, yeah, either Kiesa's yeah. going to get a finish or he's just going to win the round and Holland's not going to be able to get back up. Like Michael Kiesa is is a world class grappler at the welterweight division. And, you know, I think like. Tim Means and, and Cowboy Oliveira, like Kevin Holland knows that everybody wants to take him down, right? That's his weakness. So he knows that everybody wants to take him down. But with those guys, there wasn't the same threat of like these, that these guys are like world-class grapplers, right? Whereas with Kiesa, like I think Kevin Holland knows if this guy gets me down, like I'm probably not getting back up for the rest of the round or he might just finish me. Like he can't get takedowns. That'll be if if Kiesa gets a takedown, I think it's done for that round if he doesn't get the finish. So I think you will see a very razor sharp focused Kevin Holland. Obviously, he will have a massive advantage on the feet, but he just can't leave the door open for a takedown because I don't I, you know, I think for as big a mismatch as this is on the feet in Kevin Holland's favor, if you do get taken down, I don't think Kevin Holland has anything for Michael Kiesa in that realm. So I, I don't feel good about it. Um, I would, you know, maybe if it were somebody else, I'd, I might go the other way. Uh, but I, I like Kevin Holland so much. I feel like, uh, I'm going to bank on him being razor focused and just not getting careless enough to give Kiesa great opportunities to take him down. Like the Hamzat thing right out of the gate, like Hamzat just was right there. You know, I think Kevin Holland's going to be so razor focused where, I mean, even from the opening, Bell, I don't think he he opens that door for Kiesa to to just easily get there. So I'll go Kevin Holland as well. All right, fight number two on once again this blockbuster UFC 291 fight card takes us to the lightweight division. It is Tony Ferguson and Bobby Green. Will Bobby Green is the minus three fifty favorite, plus two seventy five for Tony El Kakui Ferguson. Man, um, this is a. This should be an exciting fight. Um, I, I just think, as it is for everyone, probably at this point, it's probably just hard to have faith in in Tony. Um, that unorthodox style that that was so effective for so long just isn't uh, very effective anymore. Um, he did look. He looked really good against Michael Chandler, um, which kind of. It made people have hope, but then that fight ended how it ended. And then the Nate Diaz fight, like, that didn't look like Tony Ferguson at all. Um, and then, like, you know, I don't want – I hate to bring this into the equation, but um, Tony Ferguson had some legal issues um, last month, which, uh, you know, I'm sure, you know, does isn't really good for the for the mental, for the for psyche going into a fight like this. And Bobby Green um, is – is sharp. You know, we talked about Kevin Holland needs to be sharp. 
Bobby Green is, is sharp. That's a, a, a great word to describe him and his game. Um, sure, Drew Dober caught him, but I don't think Tony Ferguson has the power of a guy like Drew Dober. I think Tony Ferguson's going to be looking to outpoint him. And if this fight goes to the ground, he's, he, he maybe can try to wrap up a submission. But uh, if this fight goes how I think it's going to go, pretty much on the feet, I think it's going to be uh, maybe not a Bobby Green masterclass, but I think uh, Bobby Green's going to win a decision. And, uh, yeah, it, it's just kind of sad to see what's become with Tony Ferguson. But, um yeah, it's kind of hard to really bet to really bet on him yeah. at this point. So I'm gonna go Bobby Green. I I just don't I I, I don't like to even question necessarily like uh, if if someone still has the motivation or not. But I would say I just I feel like Tony Ferguson just seems like a different guy than he was when we were watching peak Tony Ferguson, right? Like I just the aura that he had it just feels much different than it does now. Uh, I don't know if he's still like every day thinking about, you know, wanting to be the best. And like, I, I don't know any of that part of it, but I just don't have that same, like, like there, you know, Tony Ferguson had like a boogeyman vibe to him. Right. And, and now that, that, that's just not there. Um, I, you know, I don't know what his self-confidence is. Um, like you said, I think it's just really hard given what we've seen from him over the last two years now to be super confident in just what you're going to see inside the octagon. Look, Bobby Green has lost fights, but we have a pretty good idea of what Bobby Green is going to do inside the octagon, right? It may it may result in a win, it may result in a loss, but you kind of know what Bobby Green is is going to give you. I don't really feel like I can pinpoint what Tony is going to do on Saturday. Like Tony could win this fight. I have no idea, but I I don't know in what way he he's going to go about it. Uh, I don't know if he's going to try and just be forward pressure the whole time or, you know, um Whereas with Bobby Green, again, we, we know what Bobby Green's going to do. Bobby Green's going to be Bobby Green, and that, that might get him a win. It might get him a loss. I feel like it's a much safer bet, and it's crazy to think that, I mean, it, if you had told me like two years ago, even a year ago, right, even a year ago that Tony Ferguson was going to fight Bobby Green and Bobby Green would be a minus 350 favorite, you would have thought that's the craziest thing you've ever heard, right? Like, unbelievable. And yeah. so much has changed in a short amount of time. Um, and it all, again, I I've said this so many times, like the main event features Justin Gaethje on Saturday night. What Justin Gaethje did to Tony Ferguson at whatever UFC number that was, you can probably tell me 249, 249 <laughs> was, I mean, that was one of the most special individual performances I think I've ever seen in, in UFC history. Like Justin Gaethje was so damn good that night, right? Like he, that's on like. If I was going to make a list of the most impressive individual performances in UFC history, that's somewhere on the list. Like Max Holloway, Calvin Kate, like Max's performance against Calvin is on that list. But like to just give you reference, right, that that for me, at least, is on there. And and part of that is because I think of you think of what Tony was at that point in time and just the the absolute beatdown that that razor sharp dialed in Justin Gaethje uh, delivered that night. And and Tony's never been the same. He's just never been the same, and it's it's pretty incredible. But I've got to go Bobby Green, just like you. I mean, there's there's just no way you yeah. can predict what what Tony Ferguson is going to be there. Man, look, let me just say that, like you described that Gaethje Ferguson fight as a special performance, which it was. I'm gonna go a different route. Okay. That was one of the most violent. Kind of, it kind of got hard to watch towards the end of it. But like it, Justin Gaethje pummeled, battered, like all the all the violent words that you can think about. He beat the boogeyman out of Tony Ferguson. That's right. That, that's that's how I describe it. Like he beat the boogeyman out of Tony Ferguson that night. And like you said, he's never been the same since. It just he's just never had it anymore. Like the aura, the aura was not there. The the aggressiveness wasn't there. Like. Like all the skill, it's like in Space Jam when like those guys got sucked, the talent got sucked out of them, right? Like it, Tony Ferguson just has never been the same. It's just been tough to see because like you remember what he did to Cowboy Cerrone and Anthony Pettis and um, Kevin Lee Kevin to Lee, become yeah. interim champion. Like he was on like a 13, 12, 13 fight winning streak up to that Gaethje fight. And then since then he hasn't won a fight. Like it's it's just incredible 
uh, just like how a, a, a run like that can just be over just like that. And uh, he can a guy can never be the same again. I would love to see Tony Ferguson get a win. I mean, I know we're kind of writing his obituary, as they say, but um, there's just been nothing. There's been no outside of that first round with Michael Chandler. There's been no life. Yeah. Like if there was any life left, we saw it in the Chandler fight and then Chandler just kicked it out of him. Because, like, in the Nate Diaz fight, there was nothing there. Like, that did not look like Tony Ferguson. And, and sure, that was a fight that just came together on hours' notice. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have high hopes for this fight. I'm not going to get my hopes high. So if there is a vintage Tony Ferguson performance, I'll be happy, and I'll be Amen. very, very surprised. Amen. I mean, I yeah, I, I, I love peak Tony Ferguson, right? And... I'll be rooting for him. I want to see, I would like to see even some version of that return, even if it's not in a win, just yeah. to see some version of that at some point on Saturday would be awesome. But I mean, you mentioned the Nate fight, like Tony kind of seemed like happy to be there. Right. Yeah. And that's just Def- such Def- a weird not- vibe because like there yeah. was a point in time where it was like, he wanted to kill everything in his path. 100%. 100%. Like he smiled so much, handshake so much <laughs> like, uh, Tony Ferguson from 2019 and for 2018, like he definitely had looks of destruction. Like he had, he would have the sunglasses on and, you know, he would stare at these guys and just kind of have this smile. Like, yeah, yeah I know what I'm, I know what I'm going to do to you. Uh, I call it Khabib tomorrow. Tony Ferguson. Cause it's like, you know, he was ready for Khabib at that point in time when I think like peak Tony Ferguson and the fight that never happened. Yeah. Yeah. It's sad because like, that's what's become of him. But like, Khabib and Tony was like, that was the fight. Like how we talk about Dustin and Justin, like right. Khabib and Tony, that was the fight that everybody wanted to see. And the pandemic basically shut that down forever. But I mean, it's crazy to see what's become of Tony, man. I, Like I said, man, and like, and like you said as well, um, if we see any version of vintage Tony, it's going to be great to see. But um, just what we've seen over the last two years, it's been yeah. three years now. Because um, what, this is 2023. So yeah, that Gaethje fight was in uh, 2020 so three years Tony Ferguson has just been on a rapid decline so let, let's see what 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 he gives us man was that the first fight back from the pandemic yeah okay. it was supposed to be it was supposed to be Ferguson and Khabib Khabib right. couldn't get out of right. Russia and Gaethje uh, stepped in wow that's that's crazy I mean similar to Poirier and Gaethje I mean Tony was just, Tony was on that list of like the must-watch guys in the promotion. Like, if Tony Ferguson was fighting, you wanted to watch it. Like, it was, you're going to do whatever yeah. it took to, to watch that fight. So, Like, I, re- I remember, like, there was, a, a like, a, a Twitter thing where you saw all of the, there was, like, a list of all the fighters that Tony Ferguson had fought, like, back to back to back, and their faces after Tony was done yeah. with them. Their faces just looked like they had gotten hit by a truck or something. <laughs> and and I, he was I, a scary dude, right? Yeah. Like to, to the point of the aura, like there was just like this scariness to him, which I loved. I mean, it was, it was like boogeyman. And, and it's not like he was knocking guys out either. He was right. just literally pummeling them for 15 minutes or 25 minutes. And just the volume, just, yeah, just the more I talk about it, man, the more sad I'm getting. Cause I was like, man, well, we haven't seen that Tony in so long, but I mean, if there's, if there's anybody that he could look that way against, like Bobby Green's kind of a guy who's, he doesn't have the power, but like he's a volume guy as well. So maybe, maybe this could be something. But like I said, like we said, like Bobby Green is just sharp, and we know what we're going to get. So yeah. this is more like what what Tony are we going to see? If he if he's the same guy that we've seen, Bobby Green's probably going to have a, a a knockout possibly. But if not, it's going to be a very entertaining fight. All right, uh, welterweight division gives uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson versus Michelle Pereira. Minus 170 favorite for Wonderboy, plus 140 for Pereira. Yeah, this one is tough. Um, this has the potential to be fight of the night, even though we know what the fight of the night's really going to be. But um, I think that this is probably... We, we may, we're going to see a lot of high-level kicks. We're going to see a lot of creative kicks. Uh, I doubt this fight hits the, hits the, uh, the canvas. Um, I was kind of riding Stephen Thompson off before that Kevin Holland fight, you know, and and I think it's just because like a lot of guys know what what you're going to get when you fight Stephen Thompson. So the thing you do is take him down. Gilbert Burns took him down. Bilal Muhammad took him down. 
Um, so you don't really get to see Ke- uh, Stephen Thompson at his best. But in his last fight against Kevin Holland, we saw him at his best. The kicks and the punches, like, he's still fast, even though he's, he's, he's getting up there in age. But uh, Michelle Pajeda is kind of uh, I'm not going to say he's a, a younger version of him, but he's just very creative, very unorthodox. Um, he'll he'll do a cartwheel into a mount, a mounted position like the guy's just uh, he, he'll he'll go out there and he'll try anything. I think that that like makes him vintage very, Tony very Ferguson thin. style. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, for yeah. sure. He's a guy that will just try anything and uh, not be afraid uh, at, at the consequences. Um with that being said, man, uh, I think this fight, I think, um, uh, I kind of feel like uh, Pajeda is going to make a mistake and, and trying to out kickbox the, the, you know, the kickboxer and Steven Thompson. And I think um, Thompson may catch him and put him away. So, I'm going to go Stephen Thompson, but like I said about Kiesa and Kevin Holland, I'm not confident in that because Payet is so unorthodox that he could catch uh, Wonderboy with something that he just doesn't see. Yeah. Um, but I do think that this fight's going to be very, very fun to watch. I'm like you. I, I, I think I probably was guilty of, of writing off Wonderboy a little bit, and you know that, that Kevin Holland fight was so great. And yeah. while Pereira is very unpredictable and unorthodox and, and somewhat of a wild card on the feet, I just think the length and precision and, you know, all that is is so in favor of Wonderboy that unless Pereira decides to make it a point to take this to the mat, I have a hard time seeing him beat Kevin Holland on the feet. And think about when Kevin Holland was losing fights, it, was, it, was, it wasn't because he was getting beat on the feet, right? It was people exposing his weakness. And unless Pereira decides to to try and do the same thing, I think he's going to get exactly what Kevin Holland got and what pretty much everyone that has ever tr- stood toe to toe with with Wonder Boy has got, and that's going to be uh, you know an arsenal that is is very tough to beat. Um, I don't think he's going to try to to get this to the mat. I think that this is a giant pay per view card against a giant name. The fans want to see a certain style of fight. I think he's going to do what he always does. And I think he's going to be flashy and he's obviously got big power and capable of, of big shots. But I, I just think Kevin Holland is so technical and, and so good that I think he nullifies some of the, the wildness of Michelle Pineda. So I'll, I'll take Kevin Holland in this welterweight matchup. All right. Co-main event takes us to the light heavyweight division. It is Jan Blahovich and Alex Pineda. Pineda making his light heavyweight debut after losing to Israel Adesanya at middleweight. Jan is the minus 125 favorite, plus 100 for the light heavyweight debut of Alex Pereira. Now, one thing that I didn't realize um, before we started, until uh, you mentioned it probably like at the beginning, was uh, that this fight's going to be in Salt Lake City, Utah. And last time we we saw a card in Salt Lake City, we saw the uh, the elevation have such a, uh, for such a problem for the, for these uh, fighters. Leon Edwards had a big problem with it. Yep. We saw what happened to Luke Rocco. The guy was basically holding his shorts in the middle of a fight. Now, out of all of the fights that we've, that we've talked about, I think that the elevation could play a factor the most in a fight like this. Um, I think that skill for skill, this is a very interesting fight. Alex Pajeda on the feet, uh, like I said, is uh, Israel Adesanya-like in terms of kickboxing because he's got that. He's a kickboxer, and he's got. We saw how he fights Izzy. The leg kicks, like he can match him, but he's got that left hand. That that is an equalizer. That thing uh, uh, is. I mean, what are the other superlatives even describe that thing? That thing is just a, a, a fighter, a nuke. to say the least. A nuke. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> um, if he lands, if he puts that on Jan Blahovich, it's over. I, I think that uh, Pajeda is going to carry that same type of power that he had at middleweight at light heavyweight. But uh, Blahovich has power himself. He's got nice kicks. But that's not the game you want to play with Alex Pajeda. I don't think he'll win that. I think he needs to be very wrestling heavy. And if that's the case... That's where the elevation is going to come into play. 
who does that affect more? I think it may affect Alex Pajeda more because he's not going to be used to fighting at elevation or I should say wrestling at elevation. Yeah. Um, so I kind of think that if Pajeda wins, he's going to end this early. I think he'll end this in the first round. And if Blahovich wins, it'll go to a decision and we'll be like, wow, um, that was easier than we thought it was going to be because the wrestling was such a big factor. But if I had to put my money on one over the other, uh, my pick's going to be with uh, Alex Pajeda getting a knockout uh, early on in the fight. All right, this is this is a really fun fight. I love that this is the first fight for Pajeda at 205, especially because the guy he's always compared to, Israel Adesanya, also fought Jan at 205, right? So, I mean, just the, the parallels in their careers uh, just seem to match up so many times that, of course, Pajeda should fight Jan Blahovich in his first 205 matchup. <laughs> The matchup is a ton of fun where, you know, I think with Izzy, we were talking about like the speed and precision versus the power. Pereira stylistically is similar to Izzy, but he doesn't nearly have the same speed that Izzy had, but routinely much more power, right? Like he's throwing much more powerful shots on a regular basis. Izzy has big power. He's just, he's not pulling that every time he reaches back. Whereas I think Pereira is doing that. So I'm I'm very interested to see, number one, if Jan decides to stand as long against Pedeta as he did with Izzy. Uh, I think the the threat of of danger is obviously more severe here. Um, I will say in terms of like the gas tank, you know, Pedeta's not dropping as much weight. I think that this probably helps him fighting at 205 than if this were to be like a 185 fight. Uh, and I think he's also going to be much more dangerous and carry more power than he was at middleweight because this is at 205. He also, by the way, has a two-inch height advantage and a two-inch reach advantage over Jan Blahovich. So while I think Jan does have the edge in terms of grappling, like you still have to get the takedown. Number one, you have to get close enough to him and avoid getting a big shot to get to him. And secondly, I mean getting the takedown itself might not be the easiest thing in the world. Um, I, I think Alex Pereira is going to surprise us a little bit, maybe in, in those types of exchanges. I also think he's going to land a big shot. That is probably the difference maker. So I'll take Alex Pereira displaying even more power at two Oh five. Cause he's not dropping as much weight. So look out light heavyweight. And if we get an Alex Pereira, Yuri Prohaska fight, uh, I mean, that is, that is on my UFC matchmaker card, by the way. So, that would be a ton of fun. All right, main event time. Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje for the BMF title. This is a lightweight fight. Before we break this fight down and make a pick, I want to get your take on something. Because over the last three days, I've watched, I don't know, six, seven Poirier fights. I've watched like six or seven Gaethje fights. Both of these guys have an incredible catalog of fights. Like just entertaining blockbuster fights. So I will pose this question to you. Take Poirier Gaethje 1 out of the equation. You can't use it. What are the best three fights for Poirier? What are the best three fights for Gaethje? And who wins? The best three fights for Poirier and the best three fights for Gaethje. Um, okay, for Gaethje, you got to put Chandler in there. Okay. Um you got to put Tony in there. And. Hmm. That run up to Tony was pretty solid. I got to think back to some of those fights. Vic, uh, Barboza, that... Cowboy. Those were all round one finishes. Yeah, but I, I like the ones where you really get to see his skill set. Like Chandler, um, um, and, and Tony, but, um, I mean, you see. could even throw in round one of the crazy Oliveira fight, right. In terms of like exciting as hell. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll go ahead and, uh, I'll do, uh, Michael Johnson, his debut, okay. uh, Tony Ferguson. And then, uh, who what was the last one I said? Uh, Chandler. Chandler. Yeah. And, uh, for Poirier, um, most the exciting best, fights. Most exciting fights. Yep. 
So you can so you can include losses? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh. Well, that kind of changes things, but I I I'll I'll stick with those three that okay. I, that I listed, but um most exciting fights in terms of um in terms of Poirier, I can't put Gaethje in there. Um so I'll go with Chandler. Okay. Dan Hooker, of course. Of course. And Max Holloway. Yeah, that Max okay. Holloway fight was fun. So Max, uh, Chandler, and Dan Hooker, and then Gaethje and no Michael Connor Johnson. too. Yeah, that fight was fun, but I mean, yeah. I-, I would pick Max over that one. Yeah, for sure. Um, because Connor was such a it was so boxing based, and the yeah. fight kind of ended kind of you know early. But yeah, I-, I like those three. Okay. And then who wins? Um, More exciting fights, all just for their top three. Taking their I, fight against each other out of the equation, obviously. I mean, but, I, but like, if you could put that on there, it would easily be the probably the first one everybody lists. Oh, yeah, for sure. But, but um, I think that Gaethje is just the most exciting fighter probably in UFC history uh, because he's never been in a boring fight. And, like, even though he's been so – he was reckless at first, like, now he's, like – I describe it as beautiful violence that we that we see from him now, and it's still always exciting. So, I mean, even though Poirier's had some exciting fights, I think just Gaethje kind of stands alone in terms of uh, excitement. All right, I love it. Okay, so BMF title on the line in the lightweight division. It is Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje. I'll give these numbers again. I mentioned it at the top, but since they last fought five years ago. Both guys have fought eight times. Both guys are six and two since that fight. Both guys have lost to the same two guys, Khabib and Charles Oliveira. Both have beat Michael Chandler along the way as well. Uh, both of these guys, as we just talked about, are are as exciting as it gets. In fact, in terms of the all-time bonus structure of fight of the nights, Dustin Poirier is tied for the most fight of the night bonuses in UFC history with eight. And Justin Gaethje has seven, only one behind. So 15 fight of the night bonuses just in the UFC combined for these two. Will Brewer, who you got? Oh, and the odds, Poirier minus 150, Gaethje plus 125. Yeah, man. Um, This is... uh... A tough fight to pick. I think um, we we know what we expect. We expect a fight of the year type of fight. Um, I think we'll see more than, you know, this is a BMF title fight, but I kind of think we'll see more technique than just a, a slugfest, uh, especially early. Uh, and I think that favors for how much how many how how much Gaethje has improved in that area of technique and you know kind of peeling back on his shots Poirier is a master at that uh so that fa- that element favors uh Poirier and if they are to get into a slugfest type of fight I'm not going to say we we've, we've seen it before but like we've seen it before in a way you know like Poirier's got that left that changes that changes things uh, especially when Gaethje has, you know, we're we're fighting at elevation. You know, I know uh, Gaethje trains in Denver, but um, how how what how much is that going to have an effect on the fight? So, if I had to make a pick, it's a shame. Let me just say that one of these guys is, is never going to hold undisputed title, the undisputed title belt. It's a shame. Yeah, and it's a shame that one of these guys have to lose. Yep. I just uh, have more faith in um, Dustin Poirier being well-rounded. So give me uh, Dustin Poirier. Um, but like I said before about a lot of these fights, not confident in it at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I've been looking forward to this fight for a long, long time. Uh, these are, like, you are a John Jones super fan, like, these two guys are my two favorites, like above by far everyone else. Like these are the two guys that I've, I've, I've uh, enjoyed watching for a long, long time. And I love the fact that they're going to fight each other. I think they're both as entertaining as it gets in the sport. And unfortunately, like at the end of it, 
I'm going to be really excited for one of them, and I'm going to be super bummed for the other. Like you said, one of these guys is is not going to experience being an undisputed champion. I, I would say this. I think they're both absolutely Hall of Famers at this point, whether either one of them ever becomes an undisputed champion. But, uh, you know, timing is everything. And unfortunately, you know, where they've been in, in this lightweight division, this is, I think this this last stretch that we've had at 155 is the most dominant, like top end of any division that we've ever seen in the history of the UFC. Uh, and they have kind of been the staples throughout that, although neither one of them has ever had undisputed gold. I think this is going to be a fun fight. You know, the fight five years ago, they've both obviously matured and improved since that point in time. Although some of the staples are still there, right? Gaethje still um, will kick your leg off. I think what I've noticed about Poirier, at least since that fight, he checks a lot more kicks uh, because I think not being able to walk following that that Gaethje fight wasn't very fun for him. Um, you know, I think Justin Gaethje far less often gets reckless uh, unlike that fight. So, I mean, there's elements of that first fight that you can point out and and distinctly say, like, these guys have improved in these specific areas. Um, I think, you know, for both of them, like, they both have that dog to go five rounds and give everything they possibly have to empty the gas tank. If I had to say, like, the chin factor, like, I, I do think I'd probably slight edge for Poirier in the chin department than Gaethje. Um, in the power department, probably... Gage or, or Poirier slightly. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, I, I think like Poirier is a little bit more well-rounded. I think Poirier is a little bit more technical in terms of maybe not making mistakes and not opening himself up to, to get like the big shot coming back his way. But in the middle of a, you know, a, a dog fight, it only takes one from either one of these guys. I think that there's just a little bit more of an argument for me to be made for Poirier to get the win than Gaethje. But I mean, if I had to set the odds on this, this is a coin flip to me. I think it's 50, 50. I think it's, it's razor thin. It's going to be as good a fight as, as you could possibly hope for, you know, barring something stupid happening, like, like an eye poke, which by the way, we did have a couple of eye pokes and Gaethje got a point deduction in that first fight. Uh, you know, something stupid like that, potentially taking away from how great this fight is. It should be, I mean, one of those fights that we're talking about for years and years and years. And to get it, I think, you know, both of those guys were really good at the time they fought the first time, but it kind of feels like both guys are like peak powers at this point, right? Like they've both kind of like realized what their ceilings are and have capitalized on that so many times that that this should be an absolute barn burner. Uh, Poirier will be the pick, but I'll be happy for either guy and and bummed for the other one, no matter what happens on on Saturday. Dustin, Justin. Part two, baby. Fight of the year. I'm calling it. Fight of the year. Yeah. And this card is is absolutely stacked. I mean, it's uh it's it may be just a hair better than two seventy, but uh, I, I may tip the scales to uh to this card over <laughs> two seventy. But um Miranda Maverick is in the first fight of the night, and you know, we know what kind of potential I feel like she has. Uh, this is a desperation fight for her, I, I, I think. Uh, and the rest of the prelims are are phenomenal. And then just when you when you I have a question for you after this, but the odds that you told me like were razor thin for every fight outside of one. So my question to you now is, is Tony Ferguson the biggest underdog on the card? Oh, um. Yes. Yes, he is. Tony Ferguson is the biggest oh. underdog on the card. Yep. Holy cow. That is that is incredible. That's crazy. The next is, oh. it looks like, Trevin Giles at plus 260. And then Darius Flowers at plus 250, who's fighting Jake Matthews. Yeah. Who would have who thought, man? Unbelievable. But what a... Crazy That's a, that, I didn't even like that didn't even calculate for me. But as soon as you said that, I was like, holy hell, <laughs> Tony Ferguson is the biggest Tony underdog Ferguson. on a UFC card. I, I would have never imagined that being a scenario. Yeah, it, it's crazy. Crazy to see how much he's fallen off. But I hope, yeah. like we said earlier, that he can just completely make us look like fools and, and come back and show us something. Uh, but yeah, is this card card of the year so far in terms of just. 
on paper? I think it is. I, I, I'm, I'm again, I'm a little bit biased because like these are my two favorite fighters and they're fighting each other in a main event. So uh, this, w- I mean, regardless of what the rest of the card looked like, this would probably win it for me. But yeah, I think this card's absolutely loaded. I mean, if Costa Costa was on this card, right? Yeah. If the Costa fight were still here, then I think it it really reaches a level of like, you know, one of the all time greats. Uh, it's still, I think, in that really high stratosphere. But yeah, losing that fight and what was the was there another one? No, I think this was the only one okay. I I want to say, but uh, yeah, I think this is pro- this is probably uh, f- the fight card of the year uh, on paper. Yeah, you know, I would like to say. Of course, that the John Jones, Cyril Gaon, and Grasso Shevchenko fight was probably number one, but I think that this one probably tips the scales. And you know, 290 was outstanding in terms oh, of what the, what the fight card was. I think that this has the opportunity to just completely wipe that out the water if the, if these fights go how how I expect them to. Because like, look at the fights that we're talking about: the Poirier Gaethje, yeah, Blahovich Pajeda. Stephen Th- Stephen Thompson and Michelle Pajeda. I mean, Kiesa, Kevin Holland. If this fight card delivers, I think that this will easily be fi- uh, fight card of the year. I mean, you and get I- like a Derek Lewis knockout in this thing. You get like any version of of old, you know vintage Tony. Then yeah, I mean, it, it a, has a, a big, chance to be really a special. big time uh, knockout from Bonfim, maybe. Yeah. Um, you know, Kiesa Holland turns out turns out to be a, a way better back and forth fight. Uh, like you said, vintage Tony. I think that would really make this card very very memorable. And then those top three fights. I mean, just the uh, very unpredictable. Yeah. Uh, from what we'll see from those three fights, so it's on paper it's got all the makings of a historic card. But I mean, we'll see what happens Saturday. Can't wait, my friend. Cannot wait. Should be a great weekend and uh, just an absolute struggle to get through the next three days because I'm I'm there. I'm on the edge of my seat. I'm ready for this thing to take to take place. Good to catch up, buddy. We will do it again next week and break break down all the madness. Yes, sir. Two ninety one Crawford Spence is going to be epic. Podcast is over.